0: Speaker, and uh, anytime we have a special speaker, you know I want to, to give honor to that person. But, but this is a person that I really want to give honor to. He's been here once before to preach for us, and this is this is how much I want to honor him. In this dedication page, Marshall Newville is actually listed on the on the front page here, along with a couple of other people. And I wrote these people down because these are people who, when I felt the call of God at the age of seventeen. These were a handful of people who intentionally helped me recognize that, invest in me, spend time with me. And it was funny because we were reminiscing yesterday. Brother Noble was a high school teacher of mine. He taught me math. He was our gym teacher. And uh, and I never misbehaved for him one time. <laughs> Jesus, forgive me. And, uh, and uh, so he was there. Even before, I I got serious about God end of my junior year when I was 17, but he was there trying to speak into my life when I was like a freshman and eighth grade and eighth freshman and and 10th grade before I got serious about God. And I'll tell you, if you're here and you minister in children or student ministries, it is so critical and crucial that our children hear from you that you believe in them. I can't tell you how many times growing up, not just Brother New, but other teachers that would say, Gary, you have a calling on your life. Gary, you're special and all these things. And I don't say that, please, to try and brag. I'm saying that, that there were people that were telling me things before I even believed them, before I even understood them. To the point that when you weren't really serious about, about God, I still didn't want to walk away because I heard it so many times from so many people that you felt like, wow, maybe there is something to this because you heard a lot of voices in your life who said things to you about them believing in you. And Brother Nuble was one of those people, and you'll hear him, I, I, I say, he, he would, he would, I would come in the hallway because before I got serious about God, even after, there was, you know, there was, there was one or two girls that I hung out with before my wife, and uh, he'd say, Gary, what's wrong with you? And I'd say, well, she's pretty. It don't matter that she's pretty. You need to be thinking about the calling. She ain't a good influence on you. (laughs) And he would tell me like it was. He'd tell it to me straight. And here's the thing about Brother Newble that we all knew is he would get in our face. But we all knew he loved us. And we all knew he believed in us. And he would care enough to tell us the truth and so he would say what's wrong with you man you gotta be you gotta protect your calling and uh, he'd have that conversation before I felt the call and then after I felt the call I still occasionally made a poor choice I still do that today too but he's just not around to get on me like he used to (laughs) but I know if I talk to him all I got to do is call him he'll still get on me if he needs to. And, uh, and so, Brother Nubel was so instrumental. Like I say, if I, I put him as one of the people in the front of this book, because in our school hallways, he would just make time. He would just pull me aside and he'd say, What's up, man? How are you doing? What's going on? You don't seem like you're walking in your calling. You're doing all right. What kind of choices are you making? And just held me accountable. And it was so crucial for me as a young man to have a voice like that in my life. And so I say that today not only to honor him, but to also challenge those of you who work with children and students to know that I doubt that he always, every day, he walked away going, man, oh man, I really got to Gary Dornbach today. Man, oh man, I feel good about my, my message to Gary Dornbach today. Half the time, he probably left going, I don't even know that knucklehead is listening I don't even know if he's even hearing a word I'm saying. And years later, you look back and you say, I was, I was, I was hearing all of them, even when my actions didn't always line up with the fact that I was. And so I, only, I say this not only to honor him, but to those of you who work in children and student ministries, keep letting the young people and the children know you love them, you believe in them, there's a calling on their life. And so would you just stand with me and welcome the man of God who is very special to me to this pulpit, Pastor Marshall Nuble of Milwaukee, Wisconsin.
1: Praise the Lord everyone. Amen. You may be seated for a moment. I do greet you in the wonderful name of the Lord. And, boy, nobody can emulate me like Brother Gary, Pastor <laughs> Dormer. But he is correct. I am that kind of person that uh, I really believe in kids. I really do. I really do. I would always say I wish as a kid. I got saved at 19, so I didn't get in too much trouble. But I, was, I wished I had someone that could speak into my life like that. And I was in college when I got saved to be a teacher, and I thought, you know what? I'm going to speak it to as many kids' lives as I can, even if they're not listening. I'm pretty big, and at that time, I was probably 100 pounds lighter. I was a track star, a basketball star, so I could catch them even if they ran. <laughs> and so I just look back, and I just see what God is doing. But I, before I go any further, I want to say to Sister Jackie and the praise team, that, that man, oh, man. They say, you can come later. I'm like, no, I want to go for practice. I want to see it. know I, I can't sing now. No, I think I'm Donnie McClickland, okay? It's not true. But um, even in worship, the practice, the anointing, I just wept. And wept. They probably thought I was going crazy. But I, I want you guys to just know just how blessed you are to have praise and worship. And to help people that are anointed. You know, um, I believe that we should have a standard in living for God and being in ministry and so on and so forth. But about three years ago, I was preaching in um, Thailand. And we were in Thailand and Burma doing some evangelism for about three weeks. And I have to tell you about that one day. That was actually pretty fun. Most thought I was Magic Johnson, (laughs) so I was signing autographs. I just, I couldn't convince them I wasn't, so I just signed the autograph, but that was hilarious, but, but I was there, and I literally had this vision of some, some members of our praise team that were just out doing things that they shouldn't do, and I actually saw it very vividly, and I got back, and I talked to them as a whole, and they were not willing to make a commitment to the things of God, and although they're gifted and they're anointed, great musicians and drummers and singers, I made a decision to put our praise team down, and that was three years ago, and so when I get to a church that actually have live music, Sister Jackie, I'm like, whoo, thank you, Jesus, that's what it feels like, that's awesome, because we use, we literally use videos. I will not change. I will not I believe we need to be holy inside and out and I believe our life and our walk need to manifest that amen I'm not a hardliner I'm not not mean or nasty but I believe if you want the anointing God needs to be pleased with your lifestyle and how you live and how you conduct yourself amen in fact I had one of the best musicians in the city of Milwaukee playing for me and his life was not so And so I said, man, I love you. You are gifted in talents, but you got to go. I hope Pastor Gary told you I'm a little ghetto. I'm trying to be professional, but it's going to slip on through every now and then. (laughs) Praise God, especially if I feel comfortable. Boy, you in trouble. But really, in all honesty, I do greet you all in the wonderful name of the Lord. It's an honor to be here. Pastor and Sister Dornbach, are just dear friends not just he. Even though I was his teacher, he was a friend. He even when he said he wasn't living for God, he had a level of maturity that was with him. And, and no matter how he ran, we know he wasn't going to go too far, because Brother Gary and his sister had great, great parents, great parents. Uh, just your dad, man. He was a, just a dear friend of mine. We taught Bible studies together. I taught him things, but mostly he was teaching me. I still use his notes. 33 years later, I'm using his notes for Bible study. And that guy was a soul winner. <clears throat> so what you see in him is a manifestation of his parents. And I'm telling you, great, great man. And I just love the dorm box. And I see his sister. I, didn't, I forgot they were here, and I saw Brother Ron. I'm like, wow, oh, that's Right. Man, I remember that joker in high school. And I'm that old. <laughs> amen. He's a baller too. Amen. It's amazing, amazing. I, I will say this is just so funny. When I came to the church, it was a predominantly white church. I was tripping that these white boys could play ball. I was like, "What's up with that? Oh my God!" And Raw was one of them. So it's great to see you guys. Amen. Great, great baller. And one last thing, I was looking at that. If Pastor Dornbach needs a walker, I need a, I need a casket. Amen. <laughs> I'm much older than he is. Amen. Praise be unto our God. But as I was praying for this service, and I know it's his birthday, and I, I, I forget what they call you—the birthday burglar, bandit, or something like that. <laughs> Uh, I do the same thing at church, but I'm going to use that title. I got to get it. I like that. But um, as I was praying for this service, God had brought a message to me that I had preached, uh, that I taught in our Bible college. I teach in a couple of different Bible colleges in our area. Uh, obviously, I'm, uh, I'm UPCI, but I love teaching in churches that don't, in uh, Bible colleges that don't believe as I believe. I believe I can learn something from them. And I'd like to believe they can learn something from me. Amen? Amen. I love doing it because in the last 15 years we've baptized now, probably, I was trying to go over my notes, somewhere between 12, 14 people, they were preachers in the wonderful name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And in our Bible college, in our class, we have something called grace moment. If I feel the Holy Ghost, the name of the college is Grace Theological Seminary. And if we feel a grace moment, we will stop class. And I just prayed them jokers to the Holy Ghost. (laughs) One lady said, I don't believe in speaking in tongues. I'm like, it's too late. You got it now, sis. (laughs) And so I just, but I was in that class when God began to deal with me about the book of Revelation. So the message that I put, that I have for you today is pretty old. It's about 10 years old. And I've upgraded and so on and so forth. And I asked the Lord, why is it that you want me to go here? But as I began to look at some of the notes, I see why. And I pray that it's a blessing to you because we got something going on in the midst of us. And if we're not careful, church, we're not careful. We're going to slip and slide in areas we shouldn't be. Amen. But I want to bring your attention, if you will stand real quick, to the reading of the Lord in Revelations chapter 3, verses 14 through 17. Praise be unto our God. I want to talk to you about the Laodicean church of today. Praise be unto our God. God is so good. I was looking at that tall brother back there. I don't know your name, but I feel much comfortable now. I love being in the presence of tall people, especially those that got bald heads like mine. Amen. <laughs> hey, I asked the kids when I came in. It was raining, and I think your son Titus was looking at me like I'm crazy. I said, man, how did I, how is my hair? Did the rain mess up my hair? He just said, uh, you ain't got no hair. <laughs> Ah, oh, Lord Jesus. Y'all feeling comfortable now, y'all. <laughs> Jesus, Amen. Let's read. And unto the angel of the Lord of the Laodicean write, These things saith, Amen, the faithful true witness, the beginning of creation of God. I know thy works, that thou art neither cold or hot. I would that thou wert cold or hot. So then, because of thou art lukewarm and neither cold or hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. Because thou sayest, I am rich and increased with goods and have needs of nothing, and knowest not that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. Lord, help me to teach a word with clarity, with understanding. I love you and I thank you. God, give us ears to hear what this spirit is saying to us today. We do love you. We thank you. We give you honor. We give you glory. We give you praise. Anoint these lips of clay, O God, to speak as your oracle, O Father God. God, I'm naturally goofy, oh, Father God, but this is such a serious message. To speak to your people, oh, God, it's in your precious name. We ask it in Jesus' name. Can you all say in Jesus' name? name. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. If you don't mind, I keep telling my church that I am 54 years old. I am out of shape. I've been trying to walk through this COVID and run again. My run is about the average. Yeah, I, I I don't run anymore, okay? And, uh. So right now, I'm going through what I call menopause, okay? <laughs> so I get real hot. So I hope this don't offend you that I take my jacket off because I am dying, y'all. Sorry. <laughs> my assistant keep correcting me. He said, it's not menopause. I'm like, yeah, it's menopause, amen? I'm the only, probably the only pastor who have the air running in the mid of winter. In Milwaukee, it gets pretty cold. And the whole church is, no, they just wear their coats in service because they know pastor is going to turn the air on. Amen. And then I'm freezing, then I'm sweating, then I'm freezing. I'm, uh, just wait, you'll get there. Amen. But in studying the book of Revelations, there are some things that I found out that's really kind of important that we all should understand. Now, I've, for years, now I've been saved now 35 years. I've never felt comfortable to study the word of God in the book of Revelation. I just felt it was highly symbolic, so on and so forth. But I missed what God was trying to tell us. He said the word of God is for all of us. This should be simple. And this is not a, a, the book of Revelation is not a book of many different revelations, plural. It's singular. It's the revelation of Jesus Christ. And when I got that, I'm like, man, it clicked. But something he said that's real neat to these seven churches. I've been teaching this on Facebook, and I've been teaching this to our church because I want them to understand. But something he said that's real common to all of those. He said, I know thy works. And whether we like it or not, let me tell you, I'm like my old bishop, Bishop Frank Tamil. He would say he'd teach loudly and call it preaching. That's me, I don't know how to preach. I ask God to let me preach like some of my brothers. I cannot sing when I preach, amen? Mm, Lord, I can't do it, I try. I just ask God, let me do it for fun, amen? So I'm, I got this, this raspy voice, but, but really, I'm going to do what Bishop Timber would say, I'm going to preach this morning. Teach and preach together. But he said, I know thy works. Another thing he said, he that has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. There's a lot of voices today. A lot of movements going on today. Amen. A lot of people saying, we're right. But the Bible says, he that has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying. Not our government. Not all the different movements. We need to hear what the Spirit is saying. Amen. Amen. I'm going to lose some of you. I can tell right now. That's okay. I got to go past the door and I can fix it. I'm leaving tomorrow morning. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> to him who overcometh, I will. Those are some unique things that God said to all those different churches. And another thing I found out in studying those churches is that it was a local application for the church at that time. Just some local applications. But also it's a general application for the churches of all time who fit that description. But it's an application for us individually as well. When you look at those seven different churches in the book of Revelation and 35 years of serving God, I got the Holy Ghost July 28th in our evening service. And I remember speaking in tongues and I didn't even know what it was. 1985, just a month out of high school. And I, and I didn't understand this all. I, just, I really didn't. I just liked what I felt. There was something unique about you crazy Pentecostals. Y'all was just some different. Now, mind you, I'm from the hood. I'm used to gunpowder, gang violence and stuff, but y'all folks were swinging on chandeliers. I got to tell this story. It is hilarious to me. I first came to church, they were singing this song, God is great and greatly to be praised. God is great in my soul. And they sectioned off the church, and everybody did that kind of round robin, and they wound it up. God is great and greatly to be praised. God. And then they said, God is great. This little petite thing in front of me. You know, in the 80s, y'all had them Pentecostal poofs. I mean, Jesus, y'all had the poofs. Amen. We knew who y'all were. Amen. And she took off running. Her Pentecostal poo fell. <laughs> Bobby pins. Pew, pew, pew. <laughs> and I kid you not, one heel went left and another hill went right. She ran around that whole church. And at the end, she gathered herself together, took all that hair, and then put pins. Out. I thought, Jesus, if I get out of here alive, I promise I ain't coming back. <laughs> But see, y'all were different. I was used to hood, but I wasn't used to that. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I'll try to be serious. You can tell I'm feeling comfortable now, boy. But but, in 35 years of serving God, I think my life has emulated all seven of those churches. There are times I've been on fire, times I've been lukewarm, times I've just been cold. There was times like the Ephesians church, I lost my first love or... Life, trials, and tribulations. I think that we all can recognize that sometimes in our walk, we've emulated probably some parts of those seven churches. But this particular one, the church that of sin, is some that kind of troubles me. Because it said that this church was neither hot or cold. They were lukewarm. And, and I like lukewarmness when I, when I don't swim. But if I did swim, I like warm water. I'm not a great swimmer. I know how. I'm just not good at it. And, and, and uh, he said, here, I'd rather you be hot or cold. Because the end result of being lukewarm is that he's going to spit you out. That doesn't sound too attractive to me. So as I studied the book, I mean, this church of Laodicea, and I want to see if you noticed something here. When you look up the word Laodicean, that, that word is two parts. The first part is Laos, L-A-O-S, La- and that literally means right, or human, I'm sorry, it means humans. That last part, is, it's actually translated D-I-K-E or dike, or it means right. The word Laodicean literally means human right. Hmm, sounds familiar? Boy, the word of God has a heartbeat, doesn't it? See, this exemplifies the foolishness of humans to try to live for God or live a life outside of God and do it their way. I have my rights. Mm Mm-hmm. Oh, Lord. I'm going to help some of you. See, this church really was about human rights. When you look at it and you study it, they were waffled, they were just going back and forth, indeciphered, they are vacillating from being wishy-washy, and they were doing, doing this and doing that. And one, one particular writing I, I'll look up his name and leave it with your pastor. One theologian was saying that this church was into marching. They were into their human rights. They were into justice and injustice of society. Boy, my. Mmm. Mm, Lord. Does it sound familiar yet? Now ask God, why do you want me teaching? Because I've been actually teaching this almost everywhere I go. Because what has happened is that the church is that we're not, we, we got to be careful. We're not people of this world. We're the people of children of God. And the last I remember that when we became a child of God, we got baptized in his name and filled with the Holy Ghost. We turned our rights over to him. We're still fighting for stuff that we say is ours. We don't have any rights. Oh, you don't want to hear what I'm saying, but I'm telling you that God knows truth. We turned that over to Jesus Christ. What are we fighting for? Everybody ain't going to hear this. My particular family, my siblings think I'm a little crazy, but they always thought that. <laughs> Much learning has made me wacko. <laughs> I am one of those, what you would call, professional students. I love, love learning. I look for things even in nature and life. I just try to learn. Young and old. I learn things from young kids. My grandson, who is five, I learn from him regularly. One thing I learned is that He is definitely different than my kids. In fact, if I knew being a grandparent was so much fun, I would have had them first. (laughs) I don't know if that's possible, but if you got any grandparents in here, y'all know what I'm talking about. (laughs) My daughter come to pick him up, and Papa, that's what he called me, Papa. I allow him to have toys all over the house. And my daughter said, but you allowed us one toy at a time. I'm like, yeah, but you and my kids, he get to go home. And uh, but I, I try to learn from everybody in anything, in any situation, good, bad or indifferent, I really, really try to learn. I want to be a life learner, so I try to learn. But one thing I am learning, that we as people of God, we better stop vacillating between the holy and the profane, the right and the wrong. I'm just going to tell you what God gave me. Amen you're looking at a bro a brother that's been in that i've had leukemia three times and colon cancer twice and i'm still here. I'm going to borrow time. I don't have time to play or mess around or anything like that. I know some of you feel you got time. I don't feel that. I've been at death door five times. The doctors have said, you got three months to live, and I'm still here 12 years later. I don't have time to play. I've got to tell you what thus saith the Lord and get out the way and let God do what he's going to do. Amen? I don't have time to be wishy-washy and all of that. We really, none of us do. Some of us just feel we do. But Jesus is requiring us to make up our minds and not be wishy-washy and not going back and forth. Let's go to 1 John chapter 2, verses 15 to 17. 1 John chapter 2, verses 15 to 17. It says, as you're turning there on our electronic devices, I, you know, the other day I had to pull out my Bible. I love my electronic device, but I was forgetting the order of my books. <laughs> And I was like, oh no, I can't do that. It just felt good to get those pages and just touch them. And I love technology. I'm not coming against it. I don't know. I'm just old school, y'all. I just still like the, those pages. It says in 1 John chapter 2, 15 to 17, it says this love not the world, neither the things of the, that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world is what? The lust of the flesh lust of the eyes, the pride of life, and is not of the Father, but of this world. And the world passeth away, and the lust thereof, but he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. That word, world, is from the Greek word cosmos. It literally means the fashions, the designs, the, ordin- the ordinations, the adornment, the cosmetics. God is telling us we're not to love the fashions, the ideologies, the concepts of this world, but we are to love the things of God. And what has happened sometimes as children of God, the Laodicean church, they began to fight for their rights. They began to fight for what belongs to them and the injustice of this world. And they forgot to keep God first. And because of that, they became lukewarm. They began to fall in love with the things of the world, the fashions, the designs, the ideologies, the concepts of this world. And they forgot that they were the people of God. I'm not going to get any amens, but I'm going to tell you anyway it's true. Amen? We got to be careful. This is where... The church as a whole, this is where we are. I've been doing this 35 years now. And I recognize the church that I got saved with is not the same church that I'm living in now. There's some things that are different. We've gotten educated. We've got rights. And we got this and we got that. And we're forgetting about the holiness of God and who he is. See, see, my education number, you name the degree, I got it. I got more degrees than a thermometer. But those degrees didn't heal my body. Those degrees didn't save my soul. Those degrees didn't touch me. Those degrees didn't regulate my mind. Those degrees didn't tell me. This is, you, gotta you got to understand. There's nothing wrong with it. I believe in that. When I first started my church, I was only the only ones with the degree. And it was hard to get people off the system and off of welfare to get a job. I always told the ladies and the single women in our church, you need to get an education and a job so you can stop waiting for Pookie and Ray Ray. I know y'all don't have any Pookies and Ray Rays here. Some of y'all are like, what is that? Well, you'll figure it out. <laughs> time won't let me explain it. But at this time now, there's at least 35, almost 40, that have college degrees, their education, are working, only in their own homes. It took about 15 years almost to get there. But I told them, whatever you do, don't you forget from whence you came. Hello. We still need the touch of God. I, I refuse to come because I got all these grease and sit on my stilts can while the power of God is moving and people getting healed and delivered. I literally had a friend, and I know I have a friend, and I know he... He meant well. He said, You establish yourself as a preacher. You preach all over the world. The city of Milwaukee know you. You're on the radio. I teach on the radio at a local Christian station. And I teach in Baptist, Lutheran, and Methodist churches. People know me. He said, Why don't you why don't you still dance at church? I said, I wouldn't want to go to a church. If the pastor don't lift his hands and give God glory and magnify the king of kings and lord of lords. You will never arrive to the place where you're too big to give God some glory. To give God, oh, come on now. You'll never get to that place where you cannot magnify the king of kings and the lord of lords. Because God is able to deliver and set free and bring you out. God is able to do it, church. You'll never get that big. Uh I literally had one of our local preachers he's an apostolic minister not amongst the UPCI he said pastor why aren't you sitting up there on the platform I said because we got our instruments up there he said well we normally sit on the platform I said well we don't he said why is that I said because it's easier to worship God down here I call it the the disco flow for Jesus Christ (laughs) It's hard to do it up here, boogalooing and knocking over all of that. I insist on being with the people of God because when it comes in the presence of King of kings and the Lord of lords, I am not pastor. I am a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. I need Jesus to save me. Oh, God, I need him to heal me like anybody else. See, see, men, if I could talk to you for a minute, because we don't want to get to the place where we're lukewarm and we are what I call camping in Canaan. We don't have to go there, but when you get a chance, read Exodus chapter uh, chapter 10 and verse 6. It talks about Moses going before the Pharaoh. And when Moses was going before the Pharaoh, he was asking him to let his people go. And Moses said, we'll let you men go and worship your God. But the children, the cattle, and the wives will have to stay. See, that wasn't good enough for Moses. Hear me, men. In this crazy world that's fighting for their rights, this crazy world, they want us men. Hello. To leave our inheritance behind. I refuse to do it. I'm not just worshiping alone. I'm going to worship with my late wife when she was alive and with my children. It was imperative that they saw me worship, lift my hands, dance before the presence of God. I told my wife, I want you to dance, but baby, you're not out dancing me. Because why? I'm the leader. I'm the... Oh, y'all don't want to hear what I'm saying. At my church... The first ones up there dancing is men. You know why? Because I insist that the men lead the way. I insist that the men dance. I insist that the men would lead in prayer and worship. I insist on it. The devil, like the Pharaoh, has always wanted our inheritance. You go worship. Uh-huh, I'm bringing my wife and my kids with me. Hello? And then, when you keep reading down to the 24th verse, he said, Okay, well, take your children, take your wives, but leave your cattle. Some of you don't think that's important, but if you know anything about them, they needed their cattle, why? To sacrifice for worship. Mm. Don't you ever let the enemy take your sacrifice. Oh, you don't want to hear what I'm saying. So me and my kids and my wife, we're going to church. We're going to go to church. But, but we don't need to do all that sacrificing. We don't need to go to church every time the door is open. Mm. I went to the prayer meeting last week, pastor. This one, one guy told me. I said, that's a new word, pastor. He literally got in my face. And he pointed his finger, Brother Gary. He said, I'm not bringing my family. And he was just, it was right here. I'm like, boy, I already got a big nose. Step back. I feel breath, wind, and air. Hello. I'm saved, but I ain't that saved. I'll leave it alone. (laughs) Hallelujah. (laughs) Forgive me, Father, I have (laughs) sinned. Yeah, I had to tell somebody in my church, that said, forgive me if this offends you. I don't mean to. I said, preacher and punk ain't the same word. I'm mean, everybody preacher, but I ain't nobody's punk. Don't get it twisted or bent. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Pastor Dorf. <laughs> he is so rare. I forgot he was elected. I got to behave myself. That's right. But you see, it's all throughout the scriptures. You know how we keep from being lukewarm? Me and we got to lead the way in prayer and worship. A lot of times I see women leading praise and worship. So I, don't, I, I know he introduced himself to me. Brother, it felt so good to see a, a young boy, probably younger than me, a young man leading worship. I, I, I love it when women do it. But I'm always looking for the men. Who's dancing? Who's worshiping? As a pastor, I want our men to lead the way. I want our wives and our children to dance as well. But men, don't lose your inheritance. Bring your family to church. Bring your children to church. But whatever you do, don't let the enemy have your sacrifice. Okay, you guys can go, but leave your cattle. They could not leave their cattle. We need that for sacrifice. We need that for worship. Do not let the devil steal your sacrifice, your worship, and your praise. I don't care what you're going through. Uh, you better learn how to lift your hands and magnify God no matter what you're going through I believe I said it here the last time I preached I I remember when the doctor first told me that I had cancer and they gave me six months and then three months to live and I excused him out of the hospital room I was shocked because I had a sick wife at home I like I can't die Lord the only thing I knew to do was how to worship. I know how to do that. The doctors ran in because I was knocking things over. I was trying, I mean, I was weak. I went from 320 some pounds down to 195. I need to lose some weight, but not like that, Jesus. When I get back home, I'm gonna try this. I think it's a curse word personally. When you can't eat, uh, you gotta eat all meat and all this other stuff. Uh Keto. I think Keto is a curse word. (laughs) But I'm going to try it. This brother got to lose some weight. But but, but I, I was sick and I couldn't stand and all kinds of things were going crazy the doctors ran in I said that's okay I'm just worshiping God they said but you're sick you I said I'm not too sick to worship I'm not too sick to lift my hands all I knew to do was worship I didn't know anything else I didn't know if I was gonna live or if I was going to die but I figured if I'm going to die I might as well die lifting them up picking them up and putting them down and giving God some glory some honor some praise listen I'm here to tell you this morning you want to stay on fire with God you got to keep worshiping You gotta keep praying. You gotta keep sacrificing. You gotta keep living for God. I don't care what it feels like. My God, worship. Praise Him. Magnify Him. I don't care if you got cancer. Praise Him anyway. Magnify Him anyway. I don't care if your marriage is upside down. Praise Him anyway. Magnify Him anyway. Come on, let's take a moment. Let's give him some praise. Hey, Jesus, we love you, God. My God, we adore you. You are wonderful, Jesus. Oh, you are wonderful, God. Mm. Hallelujah. Okay, I'm coming to a close. You may be seated. Romans 12 and 2. See, I don't care what you're going through. I remember when my, my wife pretty much passed away in my lap. She had the trach. This is what they call it. Her arthritis turned inward and beat up on her lungs, and her lungs hardened, and she couldn't expand the contract. At that time, she was only 36, 37. She died when she was 42. The only thing I could do was worship. 11 days, she was in a coma, and I was fighting against God. I had, after teaching school, I came to her hospital room, and I sat in the chair, and I fell asleep. And God gave me a vision of him healing her. And we owned a townhome at the time and took her, took her home in the dream, And as we were going upstairs, because the townhome had an underground parking, and I was praising God in the dream and telling him, thank you for healing her. And she was worshiping, and then her worship stopped. I turned around and I said, Rita, where are you? She was a Puerto Rican girl, and I was like, mija, donde, where are you? Uh, She was at least trying to teach me Spanish. She would think that I could speak, but like three, I was like a real nerd. So, four years in high school and two years in college, and I still can't speak it. I know all the naughty words. <laughs> oh, no, I shouldn't say that. I know the food groups too, okay? When my mother in law says, Time to I'm like, hey, see, Mama Zita. I'm coming to eat, Mama. But only thing I knew 11 days in the hospital, and God said, I'm taking her. And I said, No, God, no. Mm-mm. And I woke myself up from the dream. I'm goofy. I said, this is a dream. I'm getting out this dream, and pastor, I got off the dream, and I went home, and my mother-in-law was calling me. She said, mijo, where are you? I'm like, mommy, I can't, I can't, I can't. I didn't want to tell her because, you know, she's, she's Catholic, and I didn't think she would understand. And so I fought God for the next three days. I think when she first got sick, she was probably 115 pounds wet, and the pores. The the fluid started to fill up her body. She was 213, 14 pounds. She had 98, 99 pounds of fluid in her body. And she still was hanging on because I didn't let go. And the doctor said, we don't know why she's still here. She should be gone by now. And I said, I know why. See, see, God had told me not to pray for her because he would bring her back. He said, but her body is wore out from intercession. And I said, no, that is not God. I read that in Teclamarian's book. Nona Freeman wrote that book. And God said, no, I'm talking to you. He said, let her go. And I went back in that room and I prayed. I repented. And I went to her, whispered in her ear in English and Spanish. I I thought she woke up because I was trying to speak Spanish. She didn't say a word, but she had these big old massive eyeballs. And she just looked all around. And she smiled. A tear came out, so I know she heard me. And she just, just bucked her eyes real big and gasped. And was gone. See, God waited for me to wrap my 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 mind around losing my high school sweetheart. I mean, we were just... Just a complete odd couple. I'm black. I'm a Moreno. She's Puerto Rican. She was Poricua. She was like five foot one. I'm like six four. Totally unlikely. And God said, I did that because I love you. I waited for you. I don't know if we really realize how much God loves us. I said, God, I can never get lukewarm. See, I realized something. He loved us so much. He could have took her, but he waited for me to wrap my mind and my concept around not having her. Maybe you don't feel this way, but he's done so much for me. I I cannot get slothful or lukewarm. I, I, I'm not going to be, when I when I recognize that I'm not where I should be with God, I right away shut myself in my room. And I don't come out for two or three days until I get it together. Because I got to maintain. I got to stay on fire for God. If nothing else, because he's been so good. Yes, he delivered me and healed me and all of that. But I watch how he brought me through things that, 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 that was just miraculous. And the doctors are amazed. When I go into the office, they said, here come the miracle man I said no I serve a miracle God I'm not the miracle man and everybody in the city of Milwaukee know this and I said I got to stay on fire for God cause maybe just maybe maybe just maybe somebody who don't know him God have mercy he's depending on us church we cannot be the Laodicean church there's people right now that are fighting I don't know what they're doing here My God, in Milwaukee, they were initially trying to tear the city up, but I refused to do it. I got some of my UPC pastors, and we go down every other day to City Hall. We take authority. See, I'm that crazy. (laughs) Oh, yeah. I said, devil, no, you're not. The closest the devil could get to Milwaukee was Kenosha, which was like an hour away. He couldn't come to Milwaukee County. We have no riots, no nothing. You know why? Because a few of us knuckleheads go down to the city hall and say, Devil, we're pushing back darkness. You cannot come here. See, I know who I am in Jesus Christ. I'm not fighting for my rights. My rights is the child of the most high God. I'm not following the BLM movement. I'm not following that movement or any other. Oh, I can say it because I'm black. Call me a racist. Amen. I'm telling you that is one of the most ungodliest things I've ever seen in my life. They do pantheon worship. They worship God. Because we are not, oh, I'm going to go there. That is not where I take my rights from. I take my rights from, thus saith the Lord. Shame on us as one God apostolic, tongue-talking, holy rolling people, and we're promoting and doing things on Facebook or anything. I tell my church, so when you post, that post can be an accelerant or an extinguisher. You choose. Are you going to inflame Oh, oh, see, 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 I'm the right one. I could say it. Uh, some of my black ministers in Wisconsin are our section. I'm the Men's Ministry Coordinator and the Prayer Coordinator. <laughs> and so I got a lot of my white brethren. I said, Y'all can't say it, but I'm going to say it. They were like, I'm darn if I do, and darned if I am done." I said, it's going to be real funny if somebody say, Pastor Newble, you're a racist. <laughs> I just think it's funny. Anyway, I'm sorry. I said, Lord, forgive me. But somebody got to be bold enough to say it. We cannot. We're following the wrong thing. We're like the Laodicean church. We're fighting for our rights. You know what? If we, if we become the church... Like we're supposed to be. Listen, I taught physics one year because it was really teaching me. I just stayed a couple of pages ahead of the students. <laughs> they thought I was so smart. I'm like, yes. I went in with all the knowledge of two pages ahead of them. <laughs> one of the things I learned is that there's technically some big debate over this. But one guy, and I think it was the Bob Jones book, he said something that like, that that darkness does not exist the only thing for darkness to exist is to extrapolate or take away the light huh that's not a spiritual concept So when I go down to the city hall and I pray, I say, devil, the only way that you can exist is if we take away the light. But we are the light of this city. I take authority of that city. I claim it. I'm sorry, I'm bold. I claim it. I am the apostle of that city. And I walk with that authority and with that power. And nobody's going to turn me around. I promise you. I, I walk with authority in that city. Absolutely walk with authority. Devil, you cannot come and tear up my city. You're not Welcome here. I wish to God some apostolics stop fighting for their rights and know who they are in Jesus Christ and take authority over all this stuff. Take authority over the crime. Take authority over all this. Oh, we need some apostolics. I need somebody that's on fire for Jesus Christ that's going to come against this stuff. Amen. You can remain standing. Remain standing. Looking over Abraham and how God gave the covenant to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. (laughs) I never realized this before. But remember when Joseph brought them to Goshen? And they stayed outside of Egypt and all of that? While they were there. Maybe I'm wrong. You're a Bible scholar. Maybe you can find out where the people of God... Was asking God to take them to the promised land before Exodus 1 where there rose a king that knew not Joseph. Prior to that, there was nobody. They forgot they were pilgrims passing through. They forgot Goshen wasn't their home. Egypt wasn't their home. They forgot. But it wasn't until there was a king, I think in Exodus one that knew not Joseph. And he put taskmasters over them. And then, only then, did the people remember their God and the promises of a promised land. God had to turn up the heat. Maybe I'm wrong. But it seemed like I'm seeing more authority like I've never seen before because of what's happening. All the social unrest and injustice the crime and the violence. I heard in Portland, Oregon, there's $6 billion worth of damage. Right. Fighting for my rights. $6 billion worth of damage. But because God has allowed what we call in Milwaukee, the Rona, to happen, I've lost some dear friends. My dear friends I preached for when they were missionaries in Nigeria just retired only for his wife to pass. I taught a preacher to, I taught a Bible study to a preacher in 87, Puerto Rican dude, big Marine guy, and Mana Morales. His son, 35 years old, that, that when I was on my way to Sister McLean's funeral, my daughter called me crying, said, Dad, Dad, Mikey passed. Mikey was 35. I've lost some people, but I didn't question God. I was frustrated. I come to this realization. We don't move unless God do what he did in Exodus, turn up the heat. We forgot Pentecostals. See, I like to tell people I'm not just a Pentecostal. I'm an apostolic, and I wear that proudly. I am Pentecostal by experience, but I'm apostolic by doctrine. And that is not changing. I'm going to my grave with that. That's not changing. I used to say (laughs) when I had hair, from all the hair that's on my hair, I can't say that now. But just like Exodus... God had to turn up the heat for them to remember the Abrahamic covenant that he had for them, that he promised them a promised land, that they were just pilgrims passing through. And and saints of God, we've gotten lukewarm. And so God has permitted the heat. We're praying now, aren't we? We're fasting now, aren't we? Because we, you too, have lost some loved ones. But God has permitted the heat to be turned up. Because he's getting ready to crack that Easter in sky. We're getting ready to hear that trumpet. And we're not ready. But we got to make ourselves ready. you got to grab as many people as you can. Don't just go yourself. Bring your sheaves with you. Bring people with you. I'm preaching to anybody I can. i got people in my church, Pastor Dornbach. We pray people through the Holy Ghost at Pick and Save. They couldn't get a hold to me, so they took them to the park and baptized them in Jesus' name. I commissioned my whole church. I said, my God, lay hands on the sick. Raise the dead. Do all of that. In the last four years, we've had ten people heal the cancer. Three heal the lupus. We have one raised from the dead. A Puerto Rican guy, his father died in his arms three days before his wedding. And he said he was talking in tongues for 20 minutes, praying in tongues and praying in English and praying in Spanish, a young Puerto Rican guy. He was like, no, Bobby, no, and speaking in tongues, and the paramedics pronounced his father dead. He said, my father shall live. And they thought he was crazy, pastor. They thought he was crazy. And He went to his father. He said, I'm going to do as Pastor Nuble taught me by the authority of the name of Jesus Christ in power of the Holy Ghost rise up in his father went, and he came back to life I'm telling you I whoa, I cannot get on, mm, hey, he's raising the dead I've heard and I've seen blind eyes open he's opening deaf ears I cannot go back I cannot go back you can't go back you can't go back you can't go back you can't, go back. You can't. Come on, Pastor. I'm done. Oh, Mm. Oh. Oh, Jesus. Oh, God. Mm. Let's wait a minute. Keep playing, says Jesus. Will you confirm your word? Speak to your people, God. Come on, take a moment. Lift your voice in the name of Jesus hallelujah let's magnify him hallelujah god wants to confirm in your heart that he's doing the right you're doing the right thing you're doing the right thing <laughs> we praise you god we magnify you hallelujah hallelujah come on that's it church come on come on yes in the name of jesus uh. we can't go back god We we can't go back we can't go back Church you're revealed. not lukewarm Stop fighting for your rights and You are child of the most high God God, God is, is going to raise people Lord. up Hallelujah Hallelujah I'm telling you God is filling this church up To God, back, you are about to experience revival like you've never experienced before. I hope you're looking for a bigger building. I hope you get this together because you're filling this building up by the authority of God and by the power of the Holy Ghost. Keep preaching holiness and righteousness and separation from this world.